0: So we've been doing a series on heaven and hell, it's upset a few people, it's got a few, few other people excited, which is the, what I'm after, because uh, I think heaven and hell are very real, and I think we're going to an eternity with Christ if we know Jesus. So today we've looked at, at what's happened, you know, what happens in your life, when you die, what happens to your body, uh, your body goes back to dust, your spirit goes to either heaven or hell, but that's not your final place. This is what we need to get ahead around this morning, and this is very exciting. We're going to talk about the book of Revelation, the last couple of chapters of the book of Revelation, and because heaven and hell are great, well, hell's not, but heaven's great, right? But it's not your final place. We're going to talk this morning about the final countdown. Go. Thank you. Children of the 80s there you go so we're gonna we're gonna let me recap what we've got up to so far because we've seen what the bible says about this and really no one's been there and come back other than jesus lazarus and a couple of others so no one can say well i can definitively tell you that this is what happens when you die okay but we have the bible to tell us and the bible is incredibly accurate when we die every one of us faces judgment it's a simple criterion those who know Jesus as Lord and those who don't. People think, if I can just do enough good to overcome my bad, if I can be a really good person, then I'll get into heaven. That's not what the Bible says. You could, you could be a really good person and you, you, you could be a really nice person and you'll be the nicest person in hell because that's not the criteria to get in. It's whether you know Jesus or not. That's the criterion. Uh, and this is the initial judgment. It doesn't depend on... What you know, it depends on who you know. It's not about what we've done in our lives, it's about what Jesus has done for us. Okay, so the first judgment is not to be confused with the final judgment, which is called the judgment of works, but both believers and unbelievers face an initial and then a final judgment. Different places, different outcomes, different things hang in the balance, but we all face judgment. So for now, heaven or paradise awaits the believers who die, Uh, While a holding cell called hell, or Hades if you like, awaits those who reject Christ and his offer of salvation. And today I want to consider what happens at the end of time. Um, The Bible says there will be a resurrection of all people in various phases. But unbelievers will, will be resurrected to face judgment of their works, which we've already established they will fail in. And the believers will be resurrected to face the judgment seat of Christ, which is about Rewards—it's not about whether whether you are saved or not. Okay, we've got to make that very clear. Um, unbelievers are judged by their works, and eternity hangs in the balance for them at the end of time. So, if we look at this passage in Revelation chapter twenty, if you've got a Bible, open to Revelation chapter twenty. These are exciting verses, and they're not just exciting because, goodness, I've got to the end of the Bible after millions of pages, right? They're exciting because they talk about what is going to happen for all eternity. But this is this is the really scary bit. It's uh, Revelation 20 verse 11 says this, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. I didn't say it. The Bible says it and it says that unbelievers with their unglorified bodies and unredeemed souls will enter a place where every problem in this world is amplified with no hope of improvement the Bible teaches that when you die you will go to hell but ultimately the ultimate destiny for those who don't know God is the lake of fire and we'll get to this in a minute but Christians will also be judged ah you don't get out of this when you're a Christian because we get to stand before the judgment seat of Christ in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, we will all be, be judged. Now, the judgment seat of Christ was the Greek word bema, which is, which is uh, kind of like the, 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 um, the Olympics, you know, when they have the one, two, and three platforms that they stand on. This is like that. It's the beam. It's the judgment seat. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So some people are thinking, well, you know, I'm a Christian. I can just do whatever I like. I can just ignore God. I can just sin as much as I want. And I'll still be a Christian. Well, that may be, but you'll miss out. Because what you do matters. And you should be wanting to serve Jesus because you love him, not because you can get stuff from him. And not because she can get away with it. If you ask the question, how much can I get away with? You're asking the wrong question. We should be wanting to serve him. How much can I give? So let's summarize up to this point. Soul sleep is a lie. We don't fall asleep when we die. We are conscious. And I mentioned last week, myself and a few others have actually died and come back. So we've had a glimpse beyond the grave. And I can honestly tell you, if you weren't here last week, that I I died on an operating table. I could see... um, doctors and nurses operating on my body down a big tube and 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 then i, I sort of was surrounded by liquid lava as the only way i could describe it, an amazing feeling of peace and then i was sort of pushed back into it and then it was happening all around me and i said to one of the doctors when i could draw breath i said what went on he said you just died and we just brought you back so i've had a little glimpse back there but i can tell you i'm content with what i saw right and 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 there's so many reports of this going on. We can't scientifically prove it, but we can scientifically prove some things. So soul sleep doesn't happen. We are conscious. And if we love Jesus and honor him, we are, we are with him in paradise. As Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. This present intermediate heaven is in the angelic realm. It's, it's different from earth, although it may have physical qualities. By contrast, the future heaven, our ultimate destination will be very much in the human realm, very real, and it'll be a new version of earth. How many of you know we need a new version of earth? Well, don't buy an electric car. Come to Jesus. <laughs> much better. <laughs> better earth all the way, I'm telling you. The dwelling place of God will be the dwelling place of humanity. In, in a sense, what we're going to ultimately is going to be the Garden of Eden 2.0. Without the, the bad stuff. Only the good stuff. So a new heaven and a new earth 2.0. Heaven is now spiritual, but our ultimate destination is a physical new earth that will be perfect, unlike our current earth. Imagine what we see around us today, like the the, the beauty we see, you know, the mountains, the beaches, the sunsets, everything amplified. And zero zilch nada, sin or evil. Nothing. Just the best of the best. Revelation, you don't believe me? Look at this. Revelation 21, verses 1 to 3. John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. That's what we've got to look forward to. The Greek word for new is the word kainos, which means fresh, new, of a new kind, or an unprecedented. So what we're talking about, we're not talking about this old world refashioned and patched up a bit. We're talking about everything new. Are you getting excited? Now you might argue that earth... Earth should never be called heaven because it's earth. But if heaven is where God is, God is going to be with us. So it's a new heaven and a new earth because he's with us. Heaven's not just floating around on a cloud somewhere. Heaven is being where God is, where Jesus is. How exciting is that? So heaven and earth now separated will be merged and the new earth will also be heaven since God will dwell with his people. And this new earth 2.0 will be completely new, completely free from sin, and sin's corruption, and every molecule, atom, proton, and neutron in existence today will disintegrate only to be replaced by a glorious new creation. I hope you're getting excited. If you know Jesus, you should be. If you're not, you should be terrified. It gets better than heaven, though. So when we, when we die, our body goes to the ground, our spirit, if we are Christians, goes to heaven. But it gets better than that. We know the souls of all believers who die are with him, and that's something to get excited about. Jesus said in John 14, in my father's house are many rooms. If, I, if it was not so, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that, I am, that where I am, you may be also. So the whole point of heaven is that we're with Jesus and he's got a mansion with rooms. And I'm going, this is cool. I'd really like a bigger room. Just saying. Now last week I compared heaven, see heaven's not your final destination, it's not. Last week I compared heaven to a wonderful and exciting beautiful cruise ship that is heading to the greatest destination imaginable. This is one of the, I think it's currently the biggest cruise ship in the world, is it Icon of the Seas? That looks like fun doesn't it? Well that's what, who said no, come on you, you all want to go down that don't you? Think of the money you could spend in here buying stuff that's five times its normal price, you know. But but this is, like it's fun. Food, as much food as you can eat. I'm twice the man after a cruise I was before I went on it. Um, but but there's entertainment, there's food. It's, it, you know, it's heaven's like that. It's wonderful. It's incredible. But it's not your final destination. Imagine taking this to the greatest destination in the world and getting there and say, well, I don't want to get off the ship now. Yes, you do. It gets better than this. During the millennium, God's people will live and work on the earth and we know that the the capital will be in Jerusalem. And after God destroys and makes a new earth, he's going to send a heavenly city down to to be with us here on earth. Revelation 20, do you know, if you read Revelation 21, it's a bit mind-blowing. And some of you are going to say, Oh, I don't think that's possible. I I don't think, I don't believe that stuff. Well, I don't care if you believe it or not whether you believe it or not doesn't make it true the bible says it that's good enough for me even if it blows my petty mind right so saying i don't know if i believe in that stuff well you can say that all the way into hell if you like because what you say you believe doesn't affect reality we live in a world where people think if they say i don't believe in it suddenly it doesn't exist or if they say i believe i'm something else well suddenly you are i believe i'm a cat no you're not Check your DNA. Eat tuna for a year. I don't care. But you're not a cat. You're a person who thinks he's a cat. And everybody else says, oh, I better believe you. What a crazy world we live in. This is truth, folks. Revelation 21, verse 2. Listen to this. It's mind-blowing. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. So this is the the new creation that's coming. Listen to this. Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And there God will dwell in the midst of his new creation and live with his people. All sadness, hurt, disappointment, sin, everything else, no longer around. We live alongside our Creator. Revelation 24 verse, uh, 21, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. No pain. Does that sound good, Hank? Coming out of surgery? <laughs> Bring it on, he says, yes. But, but no tears. So let's talk about this New Jerusalem. Now, this is mind blowing. I can barely get my head around this, but I'm going to try and put in proportions. This is the proportions the Bible talks about. And before you tell me it can't happen, forget it. Because it says it here, and I think anything can happen, don't you? Is God the God of, of everything? Right. So let's have a look at what it says. Revelation 21, verse 16. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. He measured the city with a rod, 12,000 stadia, its length and width, and height are equal. It's a big cube. And so its length, and its width, and its height are all equal. How big is it? Pretty darn big. The new capital city described by St John as being 12,000 stadia cubed is hard to imagine. Now, a stadia is 183 metres. So near as I can figure, the, the, the city itself will have dimensions of 2,250 kilometers each way, including up. Let me put it in context. That's the distance from Mackay to Melbourne. That's one side of the city. It's a pretty big city. It's that cute. And, and and people say to me, how can all the people who've ever, ever lived and loved Jesus all fit in the world? I don't think there's a problem. You've got a city that big. But they're not all in the city they'll be right across the face of the earth currently do you know over 70 percent of the earth's surface is covered by water there's loads of room snitch a bit back you see anything is possible in god revelation also tells us that while there will be a temple in jerusalem during the millennium and during the tribulation there is no temple in the new jerusalem why because god is there we don't need a temple he's everywhere his presence is everywhere There's no artificial light because God is light. Suggesting perhaps our new bodies may never get tired or need sleep. Who's up for that? Everybody over 50 goes, yeah. (laughs) Utopian idealists for for years, uh, Marx and Lenin and others, have dreamed of mankind creating a heaven on earth, but they're destined for disappointment because only God can create a new heaven and a new earth. Nothing mankind can do. So some of you since there, I don't think I believe this stuff. That's too big a city. Hey, you, where's all the drainage? <laughs> where's the sewer? <laughs> I don't know. A gold-plated sewer. I don't know, you know. It's like, have, has, has anyone been to, I was talking to you about this before, anyone been to Maribor? Yeah? Have you been to the, the, the main civic centre that's there? There's a toilet beside it and they have a gold-plated toilet in there. And they call it the Cistern Chapel. It's a decorated... Thing. You've got to, If you're ever in Maribor. hold on till you get there because it's worth it. Um, but see, some of you are saying, this can't be scientific. What are you talking about? This is fanciful. This is rubbish. Science is never going to agree with this. Well, let me blow your little scientific minds as well. Secular scientists believe... Who watches a, a show on TV called The Big Bang Theory? There's a guy in there called Sheldon Cooper... Okay, that I've sometimes been likened to, but that's a rumour. Right? Sheldon Cooper believes very strongly in something called string theory. Do you know what it is? Well, string theory, secular scientists believe in string theory, postulates, string theory basically says that every single piece of, of matter anywhere, including right down to electrons, quarks, everything else, is actually little strings of, of, of energy. Now, according to the theory... It postulates the existence of up to 10 different and distinct dimensions and an infinite number of imperceivable universes in each dimension. See, we have four dimensions. This way, this way, that way, and time. They're saying there could be up to another six dimensions. So heaven could actually be all around us and we don't know because we can't perceive it. It's in a different dimension. I didn't say it. The scientists said it that's what they're saying so who'd have thought who'd have thought that science would come to the rescue of the Bible because it leaves room for exactly that now I'm not saying it is I don't understand any of this stuff uh, the the string theory is an attempt to unify um, Einstein's general relativity and quantum mechanics because they, they they oppose one another but look I reckon God can do anything don't you Including Paul Strings off the string theory. The Bible says that the earthly temples in Jerusalem, impressive as they were, are only reflections or copies of the temple in heaven. So, could it be that this world we're talking about ultimately is, is just a copy of what heaven, this world that we live in now, rather, is just a copy of what heaven is, a substandard reflection? Hebrews 9.24 says, For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So why do we as humans tend to think that maybe heaven looks a bit like what our earth does? Maybe heaven's kind of a reflection of our earth. I think we've got the wrong way around. I think what we've got here is a poor reflection of what is actually in heaven, don't you? Maybe we should change how we see it. Now, everyone, of course, is dying to win a trip to paradise, aren't they? Luke 23, Jesus said to the thief, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What's that word paradise? Last week, we had a look at the word Gehenna, which is the word for hell. And we realized that Gehenna is actually the Valley of Hinnom, which is outside of Jerusalem, which is where they burn rubbish and carcasses and all that sort of stuff. So it's... it's, stunk to high heaven low low hell whatever it stunk a lot and, and it was a horrible place of of endless burning that was the picture that jesus gave us of what hell is like it's just a picture but it helps us understand but the the word paradise is is the persian comes from the persian word paradetsia, which means a walled park or enclosed garden it was used to describe the great walled gardens of the persian king cyrus and his royal palaces So in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Greek word paradise was used to describe the Garden of Eden. Now, look, let's get this clear in our heads. A garden is not wild. It's not out of control. It's cultivated. It's cared for. Some are. Mine's not, but some are. It was a paradise in the Garden of Eden. It's a paradise in heaven now, and it is a paradise when we get to the new earth. That's what it is. And uh, when we die... Our final destination, Revelation 2, 7 says this, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Some things we're not sure of. Do we have temporal bodies? Can I get a better body than this? You know, I don't know. But but some things we are... And, and, and look, we're not the only ones to ask this. If you look in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says describing his translation into heaven and what he saw he says i know this man who was caught up into paradise As that word again whether in the body or out of the body i do not know god knows so sometimes you know you're not really sure if you're in or out sort of thing i i don't have all the answers but what i can tell you is jesus does and if you follow him it's an incredible thing coming down the line aren't you excited I'm really excited about this. Now, we know certain, you know, Christ has a resurrected body. Enoch and Elijah, possibly Moses, never actually died. Um, so could we have resurrected, resurrected bodies already? I don't know. Scripture teaches that those who die go to a real place. It's either heaven or the present hell, and we are conscious all the way through. It's not something that we, we go, okay, well, we'll, we'll snap out of it at some point you know if we live in heaven we get comfort joy and a rich relationship with god in hell it's the opposite people say oh hell I, I, I don't mind going to hell i'll you know i'll break out a six pack and a pack of cards me and my mates and we'll play no you won't because hell is the absence of god and everything to do with god so god is light hell is darkness god is love hell is hate God is joy. Hell is misery. Like it's, it's the absence of everything to do with God because God is in heaven and we're conscious. That's the important thing. Luke 16 says this, Jesus telling the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The poor man died and was carried to the angels by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, hell, being in torment, he lifted his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus at his side. So in that parable, Jesus is saying, you've got a, a rich man who finishes up in hell, you've got a poor man who finishes up in heaven, but you can't, you can't reach across and help one another. You're isolated wherever you are. And there are other examples of, of something being beyond this uh, consciousness, rather being beyond death. People say, when you die, you're dead, that's the end of it. That's not what the Bible teaches. And, and the Bible actually teaches in several areas, it shows us that we are conscious beyond death. And we actually, we actually know what's going on on earth beyond death. So the people that you love who have died in the Lord, they know what's going on down here. Uh, when King Saul got the witch of Endor to raise the spirit of Samuel up, Samuel knew exactly what was going on. In the book of Revelation, chapter 6, martyrs are under the, the throne of God and they're crying out, Lord, when will we be... Ev-? They knew what was going on. They knew that people were being martyred. They cried out, Lord, when? And, of course, the one that, that I, the most, I like the most, because I like this imagery very much, Hebrews 11 is a chapter all about the heroes of faith. Everyone, you, you know, Abraham and all these guys, Moses, all these guys who were faithful people. And you've got a whole chapter talking about the heroes of faith, many of whom aren't named. Many were martyred for their faith. But then the first verse of chapter 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race set before us. These guys are up there watching us. They're cheering us on. Does that make you feel a bit self-conscious? They're cheering us on. I think that's incredibly exciting. When we die, it's not nothingness or sleep. We don't get reincarnated to have another crack and see if we can get it right. That's rubbish. What happens is uh, after we die, there is judgment. Hebrews 11 uh, verse 16 says, but as it is, they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. So... As I wrap things up here this morning, I want to take you through the sequence of history. Now, this is always fraught with difficulty because everybody believes their own version of history. But I believe God has a plan. Do you? And he is all, he's always had a plan and we are somewhere in the middle of it. Now, you can argue pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, mid-tribulation, amillennial, pan-millennial, my wife's favorite one. It'll all pan out in the end. I don't want to think about it now okay but but whatever you argue and and we can argue this i'm happy to sit around and there's verses for and against some people interpret this and the other i have got to tell you this one day one of us will be right and so one day a few of us who hold to a particular point of view will be able to have a cosmic told you so But until then, we have to agree to disagree. This is not a salvation issue. If you think, if you're post-tribulation and I'm pre-tribulation, that's not not a salvation issue. We can agree to disagree. We can be friends and not agree on everything. Now, personally, I like to pray for pre and prepare for post. Because then you've got your bases covered. So I'm going to share with you what is essentially the pre-millennial view, which says we get raptured before the the tribulation. Sorry, pre-tribulation view. says we get raptured before the tribulation. You may not agree with that. I know some of you here don't. That's fine. This is just the traditional church view that most Christians adhere to. And as I say, I'm happy for a pre-tribulation rapture. Who's up for it? Oh, I certainly am. But you've got to live and prepare for a post because you just don't know. I don't know everything. I know it shocks you, but I don't know everything. Just ask my wife. She will tell you. Okay, this is the sequence of... And and I'm, I'm summarizing enormously here. Please don't get up because I didn't mention, you know, seven bowls and all that sort of stuff, right? I'm trying to jam this into a short period of time. Number one, people who die now go to heaven or hell. Uh, Hebrews 9 27 it is appointed for man to die once and after that the judgment so you don't get two or three cracks out it. people who die now including you and I if the Lord tarries are separated from our bodies we go to a temporary heaven or hell pending our final judgment which will either be at the great white throne for unbelievers or the judgment seat of Christ for believers all people who die now reside in a temporary but very real place Remember the illustration, there was two illustrations from last week, one I've spoken about already. It's a fantastic cruise ship going to an amazing destination, that's heaven. And for the hell side of things, when you die, you go to hell. It is a horrible place, but it's like county jail. Now, county jail is is, is a horrible place, but it's a holding place. You, You get tried and then you go to the state penitentiary, which is the lake of fire, ultimately. But it doesn't mean it's a great place to visit, it's a horrible place. So remember, Gehenna and you've got cruise ship, your choice. And um, after that, what's going to happen? So people die, they, they go to be in heaven or hell. The second thing I want to talk about is that Jesus is soon going to return for his own. Do I hear a yay? Good. He's enthusiastic about it. But see, you see it doesn't finish with, with us going to heaven. That's, God's just getting started. Jesus is going to return to earth, and we who believe in him will be raptured to be with him. Do you know the word rapture is not in the Bible? But the description of it is. I'm not making this stuff up. It's here. Look, 1 Corinthians, oh, sorry, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself, not an angel, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. I remember when I was in the Baptist church, my Pentecostal friend used to say, you'll be first up at the, at the rapture because the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. And I thought, thank you very much. The dead in Christ rise first. Then we who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be with the Lord forever. It's, it's, we call it the rapture, but that's the description of it. I believe so much in the rapture that I often drive around with my sunroof open on the car, just in case. Because it could happen at any moment. This is a pre-tribulation view, obviously. Pre, post, mid, whatever. We'll be caught up together with him to be in the air, and so shall we be with the Lord forever. I'm not going to tie down a time frame, but the Bible says it will happen. And there's a whole heap of things leading up to that. not going into that this morning. The third thing to talk about is the tribulation. This is the one you want to avoid. It's a time when many horrific judgments are poured out on mankind, and the Bible goes into quite a bit of detail on this. Matthew twenty four twenty one says this, For there will be such tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. This is an intense, horrifying, but short-lived time. It's around seven years. But then it gets exciting. Now, remember... it whether you're pre mid or post at some point the christians the christians go to be with the lord i was having a discussion with tony you know do all christians go to be with the lord i think true christians go to be with the lord you got to make sure that you have a true faith in your heart you know the distance between heaven and hell is 16 inches there to there and some of us sit in church and we hear stuff and we do stuff but we never give our hearts to jesus if you want to make sure this morning make sure you give your heart to him it's a simple process, but if we do that, we can, with confidence, look forward to this future. Then the fourth thing is, after the tribulation, Jesus returns to earth. Everybody say, yay. yay. Matthew twenty-four thirty: There will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and all the tribes of earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Jesus is coming again, and will be resurrected to reign with him in the millennium this is the sequence as it's laid out the millennium reign of Christ so when Jesus comes again okay we're going to have there's a thousand years what well, says revelation 20 verse 6 blessed and holy is the one who shares the first resurrection over such the, the the second death has no power but they will be priests of God and of Christ and they will reign with him for a thousand years so Jesus returns to earth and reigns for a thousand years and we reign with him in our resurrected body. And Satan and his henchmen are bound and chained for this time, pending their release right at the end. And then we have the final battle, which is called Armageddon. Armageddon's not just a movie. Long before Bruce Willis got his, his talons into it, right? Armageddon, was an ex, it's an actual battle talked about in the Bible. And Armageddon excited just thinking about it. That's how it got the name. Verse 7 and 8, when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. So this huge battle happens. What happens then? Well, let me just allow Scripture to tell you. Verse 9, and they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them. You see, I've read the book. I know who wins this. I'm not worried about what's happening in the Middle East. I know who wins. So don't get worried. Get excited. Then after this, there is the judgment of the great white throne and the lake of fire. See, evil itself, all evil, from Satan on down to the beast, the false prophet, antichrist, anyone who doesn't know Jesus as Lord, the Bible says they are judged. And they're thrown into the second and permanent death, which is called the lake of fire. Uh, Verse 10 in Revelation 20. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were. And they'll be tormented night, day and night forever. Uh, Verse 14. Hades and death were thrown into the lake of fire. There's going to be no more death at some point hades and death were thrown into the lake of fire this is the second death the lake of fire anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire i didn't say it he did so what this tells me is you can sit around say i don't believe this stuff whatever this is what the bible says no one truly knows because we haven't been there and it hasn't happened yet much of this but i can tell you what i would like to make sure that i'm okay wouldn't you I would like to make sure that I get it right. And one of my concerns, I was talking with Tony during the week, is that in any church congregation, there are people who are not sure. Please, for the sake of eternity, make sure this morning, make sure that Jesus is the Lord of your life. Don't say, yeah, well, I hope so. Yeah, I, I guess so. I hope I have enough good to overcome the... That's not how it works. Know Jesus, you know life. No Jesus, no life. The eternal destiny of those who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior is the lake of fire, ultimately. Hell first and then the lake of fire. This surely must compel us to act. This surely must make us say, I'm going to tell my friends and my family the good news, doesn't it? Because I, my aim in earth, on this earth is to go to heaven and take as many people as I can with me. Because that's the, you know, because this is real. I don't want the people I love passing away and going to hell. I want them to come with me. I had an auntie once who was a sort of a, a fairly bitter twisted old lady. And um, uh, she'd had some issues with my dad, uh, all her problems, though, you know, people like that. Um, anyway, she was dying. She was dying up at Nambour Hospital. She'd moved up here. She was dying at Nambour Hospital. And I went to see her when she was very close to death and and i started to talk to her and i and i said look Arnie bonnie i said i i really want you to come to heaven with us have you ever asked jesus into your into your heart as your lord and Savior?" she couldn't speak she'd had strokes and stuff so i said i'm going to hold your hand and i want you to squeeze my hand one for yes two for no now this woman's staring down the barrel of eternity and i said have you ever asked jesus into your life she said no Would you like to do it right now? She said yes. And I led her to Christ on her deathbed two hours later. She was with the Lord. This is real, folks. This is important. And all those years of bitterness and twistedness and venom that she'd lived evaporated in a moment because she's not saved by what she does and she doesn't do. She's saved by whether she knows Jesus or not. And you might say, well, that's not fair. She deserves to go to hell. We all deserve to go to hell. Who among us here has never sinned? But what a joy to lead this this lady into the presence of God. And that's what God wants for you. The final, final act of it all, though, after the lake of fire is the new heaven and the new earth. Hebrews 13, 14. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come, Whether we understand it or not, whether we can get our head around it or not, the vision given to John in Revelation of a new heaven and a new earth should encourage us as we live this life. Let me read it again. Revelation 21. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You ever sat with someone who's in pain and wiped the tear away from their eyes? You'll never do it again. There's no more tears there. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And He was he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. He also said, write this down for those words, for these words are trustworthy and true. And then he said to me, this gives you a clue who he's talking to. It is done. It is finished. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. Does that get you excited? That's what we've got coming up. If you've ever sat with a dying friend and wiped away a tear, forget it. No more tears. Sounds like a shampoo, doesn't it? But no more tears. In this perfect place where we're destined to spend eternity with our Lord, there's no more tears. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. It is joy. See, the Garden of Eden started it, and the Garden of Life and the New Earth finishes. It bookends eternity very nicely, very symmetrical. Randy Alcorn said this, In Eden, there's no sin, death, or curse. In the new earth, there's no more sin, death, or curse. In Genesis, the Redeemer is promised. In Revelation, the Redeemer returns. In Genesis, it tells the story of paradise lost. In Revelation, it tells the story of paradise regained. In Genesis, humanity's stewardship is squandered. In Revelation, humanity's stewardship is triumphant, empowered by the human and divine King Jesus. These parallels are too remarkable to be anything but deliver it these mirror images he writes demonstrates the perfect symmetry of god's plan we live in the in-between time here in the echoes of eden and the approaching footfalls of the new earth how cool is that r a Tori said this we will not be disembodied spirits in the world to come but redeemed spirits in redeemed bodies in a redeemed universe and i hope that gets you excited our final destiny is incredible heaven is great But God has more than heaven for us. He has an entirely new creation where we can live in perfect harmony, just as Adam and Eve did before the fall, without the fall. It's the cruise ship, because ultimately our our final destination is even greater. See, that's our destiny. Our destiny is to live and reign with Jesus. Let me ask you, who wants to live forever with, with, with Jesus? Who wants to live in heaven forever? Start right now start right now because if we can live forever with him we can surely start living our life now with him because that's his promise we compromise so often in our life we seek our own good our own desires but surely if he has this destiny for us we should serve him with all of our hearts we should live each day with heaven in our heart don't you agree would you bow your heads Over the last few weeks, we've talked about heaven and hell. When I sat with my auntie and held her hand, and she squeezed once for, yes, I want to ask Jesus into my life. It was incredible joy. That's my question to some of you today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, we want you to come with us. Come with us on this incredible journey into eternity. Come with us to live forever with the Lord. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, I want to give you an opportunity right now. Maybe you have in the past. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you sort of got out of, out of sync with it or something. Maybe it's sort of fallen away. This is your moment to make sure. I don't care if you've been in church your whole life. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. It doesn't work that way. Only Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. So if you've never asked Jesus into your life, or if you're not sure, let's do it together today. Let's make this the greatest day in all eternity. So pray this prayer with me. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry that I've sinned, that I've gone my own way. But right now, Lord, I ask you to forgive my sin I turn away from my sin, and I ask you into my life as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Spirit, and thank you for giving me eternal life. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you're just making sure this one, or just wherever you are, just shoot your hand up very quickly and put it down. We're not going to call you forward. Are there any more? I know God's speaking to people here. Don't hold out. Man, maybe the hell of hells is thinking of all the times you could have asked Jesus into your life and you never did. Let's get this right. Now, for the rest of us, I think we should live with heaven in our hearts, don't you? If we live each day with eternity right in front of us, I think we will behave differently. I think we will start to share the gospel with people. I think we will get excited about the things of God. We'll want to read his word. We'll want to come to church. And all that is because we have heaven in our hearts, because we have eternity before our eyes. So all I want to do to finish, I'm not going to bring people forward uh, this morning. This is... This is between you and God, and I want if you're a believer, I want you to fully dedicate your heart to the Lord this morning and say, from here on in, for all eternity, I'm yours. You know, people say to me, oh, yeah, no, I, I really love so-and-so, but I'm doing this anyway. I had a guy say to me one time, I love my wife, but I'm having an affair. No, you don't. You don't love your wife. I'm sorry. You don't. I don't care what you feel, but love is a commitment. Love is saying... You know, I'll give everything for you. And I think we need to do that as believers, don't you? You may, you may have done it before, you may have done it often, but I think this is a great time to just wipe the slate clean and say, Lord, I give everything to you. So why don't you just take a few moments in your heart, bow your head, and just say these simple words. Say, Lord Jesus, I give everything to you. Everything I have, everything I long for, everyone I love, all of my hopes and dreams, I lay them at your feet and I say, have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Lord, you've heard the prayers of your saints here this morning. You've heard us cry out to you and say, Lord, have your way. We do this because we have heaven in our hearts. We do this, Lord, because we know there's an incredible future. We may disagree on the details, but we, we really agree on the thrust of what is going to happen, that we are going to be with you for all eternity. And, Lord, we just pray for the people we love, husbands, wives, kids, parents, friends, those who have rejected you, those who have walked away, those who don't understand. Lord God, we pray that you would have mercy upon them and use us to reach out to them, we pray. Lord, we ask that the people we love will come with us into this glorious eternity. We ask that the people we love will be standing with us on that great ocean, that great sea, praising you for all eternity, living the life that you've destined us to live all along. Lord, we commit our futures to you, our families to you, the people we love to you, and we say, Lord, have your way.